Hello, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Movie. Um, this is your co-host Jen, and today I'm joined, of course, by Sada. How are you doing, us? Hi, what a musical introduction that was. Hello. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Are you preparing um, for a career on, on Broadway? Yeah. I might be. <laughs> it is very, that was very musical theater-like. Reminds me of my high school days. Oh, don't remind us. Oh God. <laughs> well. <laughs> God. How's it going? How's your week? It's been good. It's been okay not again nothing majorly eventful it's crazy that we're almost in october like a few days away from october i keep like telling my one friend i'm like this month like september is the only month of the year like the year has flown by in general right but this is the only month that it hasn't actually felt like it is the month that it's supposed to be like i feel mm. like my brain is still kind of stuck in july <laughs> oh i hear what you're saying you know okay. it's, it doesn't feel like like we're, we're in the fall time i'm seeing like halloween decorations and it's not registering i don't know what how how i'm gonna be mentally like by christmas especially are we even gonna have halloween no i mean my my party that i throw every year oh god okay well that's devastating for all of us um <laughs> I think before we get to our movie, we should introduce our very special guest. Yes. You guys know her because she makes the beautiful music that you hear in our, each of our episodes. So we'd like to welcome Reem. Hello! Hi guys! Hi! Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show! We're so excited to have you. She, This girl is like beautiful, she can sing, she can compose music apparently. <laughs> and she has a really, really cool thing happening tomorrow. Do you want to tell everyone about it? We're, we just found out. We're so excited. Okay. So I was, so as everyone knows, apparently there's some election happening. Just kidding. Um, Allegedly. But um, a major presidential election coming up November 3rd. So make sure you're registered. And mm -hmm. I was asked through like my club that I'm in at school uh, to get interviewed by CBS. And they're interviewing 10 college students. And they're just asking us. I don't really know what they're asking us, but hopefully I can answer it. But they're going to uh, ask us questions and then they're going to put our like voices or clips during the debate. So that should be really cool. So the debate, you know, Green lives in Cleveland. Sada and I are here in um, California, right? So mm -hmm. the, the first debate is happening in Case Western. It's a university in Cleveland, yeah. Ohio. Um, so that's kind of how, you know, she was approached by, yeah. by all the, but yeah, also tell us a little bit about yourself in general. Like what are you studying in um, school? And okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love talking <laughs> about myself. So hi guys. my name is Reem and I am 19. I'm a sophomore this year at Cleveland state and I'm a double major in history and social studies with the intent to become a history teacher. Some mm -hmm. ex exciting news. I last Thursday just started recording a song at a studio. So I've been really excited about it. I think I have one more session coming up and then I think I should be good to like release it within the month. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited. Um, fun things about me. I work at a craft store, so I know all about <laughs> fabric. Um, and I love journaling and anything crafty. Mm. Oh, and I love pasta, bagels, rice. Yeah, she cool. worked at the world-renowned Olive Garden. I did. That was the <laughs> other job. I work everywhere. But yeah, Olive Garden. So many company time. secrets that one day hopefully we'll get. That we'll, we'll do a whole special podcast episode about this. About the Olive Garden. Italian yeah. food. Ratatouille. Oh my gosh. That was have French. It, should have it. Oh, it's French. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I totally was right there with you. It's one of my favorite movies. And I was oh, thinking yeah. we should do an Italian food movie yeah. blog <laughs> that's the american side coming out of me my ignorance <laughs> being like that's italian right 
<laughs> so it's, anyway. it's okay. It's okay. French, yeah. Italian. Mm-hmm. But I got us that discount last time I came to California. You did, yeah. Twice. That was a great day. Twice. Yeah. You really took advantage of your discount. Remember the guy came, the manager, and he's like, I heard we have a sister part of the company <laughs> or something. And I was like, oh my. It's me. Reem. Oh, God. You want to know all about Reem? That's her Instagram handle. Her That's Twitter, Instagram. Twitter handle. Snapchat. Anyways. Um, I think before we jump into the movie we're talking about today, which is Sorry to Bother You, tell us a little bit, like, I know you like movie, but movies, but have you always been a movie person? I mean, I think I have, but I will be honest, most of my influence for a lot of things growing up, music-wise, hmm. books or movies, really came from my older brothers. Like, I really am inspired by them because they, I don't know, in my opinion, they have really good taste. And mm-hmm. my oldest brother, he was on the, one of the episodes, Jed. Yes. He was an English that. major. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he he was an English major, and he's, like, so literate and everything. And, like, he's just smart with his words. And my other brother, Malik, is uh, too. So, I don't know. I just, like, get inspo from them. And they always make me think outside the box and watch new movies. But, mm. yeah. Now, because of your podcast, I'm, like, rethinking how I think about some movies. Oh. Ooh, we're indoctrinating people. Yeah. <laughs> was it me? Yeah, <laughs> Jenna, it, it was only you. Sada, you need to step it up. I know, right? My God. <laughs> well, um, before just to for the audience, uh, Jad was on our episode about Looper, so the family connection. Sodium is obviously also our cousin because Jad is also our cousin. Yeah. So we're bringing the family aboard. Isn't it funny how that works? Yeah. Siblings, <laughs> family, <laughs> crazy just family trees. Um. But this movie is really like, I, I suggested it to all of us, obviously, because I think it's a different kind of movie about capitalism than what we've watched so far already for the pod. But um, such a weird movie, right? Really like, weird. That's like the best way to put <laughs> super it. Super weird. I feel like, Veeam, you and I, I remember we watched um, that movie on Netflix, What Happened to Monday? Oh, Which yeah. was a lot of fun, but it's also probably like what's on little, the weirder side. Veeam, you always yeah. have like weird suggestion like right you're always involved in our quirky movies <laughs> I know. kind of like artistic so <laughs> yeah she appreciates the art but i was gonna say i know you and i don't mind a movie that's on the weirder side but Jenna, yeah jenna's a little this... straight I, she, she's a little more straight a little more plain jane right <laughs> simple 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 what the fuck uh no you're right um yeah i loved it up until like the horses come into the play. horse. That's what got me. <laughs> and I was like, hold on. I was like, I don't know if I would like ask people to watch this with me. Yep. yep. Um, I, I did write down, yeah, this is like the most unique film we've done on the podcast. And it doesn't, it definitely doesn't fit the mold of like anything we've mm-hmm. talked about. I 100% sure. agree. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll give the summary now then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably a good time to explain how horses come into capitalism. <laughs> but um, this is going to be very spoiler heavy. There's a big twist in this movie. So just a warning. Uh, but this movie came out 2018, directed by Boots Riley, and it basically follows our protagonist, uh, Cassius Green, who is played by Lakeith Stanfeld. Uh, he goes Woo! by Cash for short, and he starts to work at a telemarketing firm. And basically, you see that he's one of the lower level workers, and he's constantly teased with the idea of becoming one of the power players, becoming one of the power players. And so he basically starts to like do all these things at work he gets promoted right as his friends are starting to strike who also work at the the business and he reaches like a real level of success in this company as he's reaching this level of success this guy who's played by army hammer his name is steve steve who works at worry free 
basically tells Cash that he wants him involved in this company. And the audience at this point, we know that Worry Free is kind of a sketchy company. I actually have some interesting facts on it, so I'm going to save that for later. But it's basically a company where you can eat, work, sleep. Like your entire life is at this company. And so they get accused of slave labor. But so Steve basically wants Cash to start working for him. And then all of a sudden we realize that Steve is involved in mutating human beings to make half man, half horse people who are more efficient at labor, who have a higher stamina, who can work longer in order to propel his company into further success. So then Cash freaks out. He tries to uncover this whole um, conspiracy. Eventually he's able to free the horse people. But at the very end of the movie, we see that Cash himself starts to become a horseman. So it's kind of a, it's a, I mean, the movie itself is absurdist. It's supposed to be really weird and we're supposed to be on the edge of our seats, but that is how horses come into play. Yes. Really freaky looking. And in the scene when we see Cash at the end become a horse, like it's only like his face kind of that's mutated at that mm-hmm. point. And like the whole movie, you're like, thank God he's not one of them. He's not a horse. He's not a horse. Because yeah. the way you become a horse in the film is you kind of do like this. I don't think, is it actually Coke? It's supposed end? to resemble cocaine, yeah. but it's not. It's, but you do a line of it and that's how they become horses. And yeah. Cash did a line with Steve, you know, played by Army Hammer. And mm-hmm. his Army Hammer is like, no, of course I didn't give you the horse drug. I would get your permission before doing that. <laughs> so you think it's just Coke and then it goes away. And then, yeah, like the last like 30 seconds is mm-hmm. when he starts to mutate. Yeah. But I mean, just the... The term slave labor used mm-hmm. in this movie and the way, like, what it's the company that it's used to talk about in that manner, it's like interesting. Cause, like, when you, like, in our day and age now, like, places like Google and Facebook, mm-hmm. they, their facilities, like, their campuses are really like designed in a way that you don't want your employees to leave, right? Your developers and your engineers and your all those people. But we never refer to it as slave labor. It's really like when you said it right now, I yeah. was like, holy shit, like that's really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that name before I? Well, that just made me think about what I was doing yesterday. So, as a history major, I have to take like everything history. So, mm-hmm. I have a test today and I was studying for it yesterday. And they said in the 1900s, I think it was the 1900s, um, they started regulating like rules specifically for women and children and like work hours due mm-hmm. to a literal fire that occurred. And it killed like 120 like people because like what they used to do is they used to lock them in so they didn't have any exits and like if they even did have exits they were too narrow so like hundred like over a hundred people died so like wow. back then and 1900s was honestly not that long ago it wasn't so they're just like finding ways in my opinion right now to like twist the system so they're like mm-hmm. oh we're treating our workers fine there are there are teammates there are family but like. That's not the truth. I hate the whole, these are my teammates. There's like, there's one character in the movie. Her name is Diana, Diana Debauchery. Yeah, I hate <laughs> but her. her last name isn't pronounced <laughs> as Debauchery. But she like has a moment where she's, she's one of the higher level players at this telemarketing firm. And she has a moment where she talks about, you know, that they're a family and that there's a social currency in the group. And she wants everyone to think of her as her teammate. And it's like, I hate how we use that language to soften something that's really messed up. You know, you're not my, I don't know, you're working me to the bone, but you want me to call you my family member because it sounds nicer. It's just, it's like a manipulation tactic. Yeah. In a weird way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this is, you know, work life in America. Well, America and other companies, I think Japan has a terrible work life Mm -hmm. balance, right? It's known for that. But like Europe, 
takes like what August off or something like that. It's much, they're much more, there are other countries in the world that are much more forgiving to their, their workers, to their, their people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean this, yeah, this, this movie is definitely a commentary on the work lifestyle of people in the States, but it's interesting you brought up Facebook and Google because worry-free is basically supposed to be a parody of WeWork and Amazon. Do you guys know what WeWorks is? Did you hear about it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, so it's this company that kind of has like this cool style, you know, like Amazon, Google, these places. Young um, startup vibe. Very, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's led by this guy named Adam, whose last name I'm forgetting, but basically what it is, it's a company that kind of, uh, rents out workspaces and basically the idea was to kind of give people workspaces and then um become profitable profitable from doing that and also like help entrepreneurs rise and help create companies and things like that it but the, the guy adam who was running it really scammed everyone i mean he apparently partied insanely hard he was a nightmare to work with um he was scamming everyone like they had this giant japanese investor who gave a hundred billion um as an investment to this company and it all just kind of came crashing down. So basically this company WeWorks was rising through the social ladder and it had a valued net worth that ended up being a complete lie. And it was just kind of a major disaster. So this movie is supposed to parody the idea of WeWork and Amazon's work lifestyle. So wow. it is based off companies, you know, mm-hmm. is I guess what I'm trying to say. WeWork, their whole scandal, you know, all this corruption was, uh, discover was, uh, released to the public, I guess, uh, the beginning of the year, right? Like yeah. That was only what, <laughs> January, February? I thought was it, or was I it? thought it was like end of last year. Was it end of last year? I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. But it was, it was fairly recent. We found out about all of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, do you guys have any more thoughts about the movie in general before we get into our favorite scenes or notable movie scenes? For me, I thought something that I found out like before we started recording this was that the director, he actually had written this idea of the movie like in 2012 back when the world was supposed to end i thought that was funny (laughs) but um he wrote this back in 2012 but at the time i don't necessarily remember why i was like reading about it but he didn't like release it right away so he released it as an album uh album name and then he made it as a book and then he made it as a movie so i thought that was that's so cool yeah Yeah, the the director he's typically like um like a rapper mm-hmm. otherwise like lead vocalist of two bands the coop and then uh street sweeper social club so this is kind of his directorial film debut mm-hmm. um yeah like green said like this has been going on he's been writing this since 2011 2012 but it's so like i mean i don't know if it, i'm sure it's gotten under rewrites and things mm-hmm. like that but it still feels extremely like relevant to the time yeah. that we're in mm-hmm. 2020% yeah this is the type of movie that's not straightforward because as soon as people are talking about politics they're like i don't want politics in movie you can't talk about that so this movie is supposed to be like oh it's not about politics Mm -hmm. and it's like all metaphorical and everything because like people get so pressed when everything's very straightforward Mm-hmm. I mean, even the protests that go on the movie go on in the movie feel so close yeah. to home this year. With all such the a bizarre police brutality that you see in the, pro- in, the, yeah. in, the in their protest scenes and things like that. I guess police like were kind of if you like remember the movie, the police really aren't that big of a part. They're kind of deliberately left out because the story is supposed to be more so about corporate America and less about like that's just another element to bring mm-hmm. in to have police brutality and all that. So. Yeah. Kind of left yeah. out. But one thing I did find interesting about this movie, so we really wanted to 
pick a movie that you know had um, a lot of black actors at the forefront right mm -hmm. it was a, a very diverse film um i guess we kind of we've kind of felt like we've been lacking in like what we've picked so far right in terms of diversity we but, just yeah want to yeah. make sure i think we've done good where we've had at least one movie each block that mm -hmm. has either interesting female characters or like a uh, people of color. Mm -hmm. So that, this is kind of, we wanted to make sure that all the movies we choose about capitalism are not about white men. <laughs> but what's interesting about this movie is that it doesn't fit the mold that we as society are like used to and like think of as like black movies, I feel. And I, I think it was done on purpose, right? Like, you know, you know, like the films like Tyler Perry, like writes and uh, directs yeah. and creates like it's, in the mind of like anyone who's not white, those are very like black family centered films. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What I'm so this one, it, it doesn't fit that mold at all. And I feel like it was, it's definitely done on purpose to break mm -hmm. out oh, that 100%. mold, right? Yeah. Yeah. A, because you can see by the characters, it's all a performance. Like, I mean, just in the movie, all the characters are put up, putting a performance, such as using a white voice. But like in real life, <laughs> those people in the certain setting they're in, they have to put a performance because people always say like oh you're acting too black or you're acting too white and there's always some type of place that they have to be so they always have to change who they actually are which mm -hmm. is really annoying but this whole characters and the whole idea is like they're putting on a performance mm -hmm. yeah i love the way that you said that yeah because like i think the whole concept of the movie like that's there's always the theme of like coding yourself right to mm -hmm. like survive in like white corporate america oh yeah yeah and so yeah like you said they're always putting on a performance too literally we hear a different voice being used by the black actors for them to advance in their mm. careers. Well, then maybe we should jump. Oh yeah, so great. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, did you guys know one of the white voices was Ratatouille? <laughs> yes. What's <laughs> What's Patton Oswalt who's from ah, Ratatouille? I didn't. I, I just love found Ratatouille. Out that one of the voice. One of the voices too is David Cross. Yes, <laughs> from, from, from the Chipmunks. Yes. Oh. So we have David Cross, Patton Oswalt, and then um, Lily James plays uh, Detroit's like British white voice. Really? Yeah. Somebody, yeah. Oh wow! So there's a lot of star power in this. Oh movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, Forrest yeah. Whitaker mm -hmm. also voices one of the horses, yeah. one of the horseman people. But um, wow. But I think this is a good time to jump into notable movie moments because yeah. we're talking about the white voice. And that for me is one of my favorite scenes. Um, Langston, who is kind of like Cash's mentor at work, played by Danny Glover, basically tells Cash, like, if you want to make it in telemarketing and you really want to sell, you should put on a white voice. And um, it, the way he describes what a white voice is, like Langston says, you know, think about if you had your bills paid, if you're happy about your future. And he says something really interesting. He basically implies that like the white voice it, it's what white people think they're supposed to sound like. And I hate it, but we all have a version of it, right? Like, I always think of it as the phone voice that you put on the certain, like, you know, you have a very specific tone, like, it's hi, your, how are you? Your you retail know? voice. Your retail voice. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's such a great scene. And you think they're going to leave it alone after that, but then that white voice just keeps coming back up. Like, I really like that they were relentless about it. Um, and then, well, the management as well, like, acknowledges the white voice. Like, mm -hmm. they keep getting praise, like, great white voice. This is a great one. Or, like, when, like, um, Cash, uh, Cash goes to Steve's house, he's like, Cash is still talking in his white voice. And uh, Steve is like, I just want to hear your voice. Like, you don't have to use your white yeah. voice. They literally keep saying white voice. Like, it's yeah. something they're very aware of and they promote. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's, like, inherently racist, right? Like, if yeah. they just use it so... yeah. Like, just throw it out there like not even thinking about it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know that's interesting 
I don't know. I mean, it's also there are moments where Cash is with Detroit and she's like, will you stop doing that voice? And he's like, I don't know. I didn't even realize I was still doing it. Yeah. So, Honestly, yeah. something I thought that was interesting was now that you brought that up, I thought it was interesting that Detroit would always be like, hey, like she would always remind him, like, you don't need to use that voice around me because like you mm-hmm. can be yourself. But in some aspects when she's performing, she even puts on a voice, like the British voice. And I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she got a little taste of it too because she started working at the the telemarketing firm. Yeah. But she was always protesting. She wasn't she wasn't promoted like Cash was. Yeah, yeah. But I mean she got you know, she had to mm-hmm. figure out her white voice as well to become to succeed a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, all right. Should we do you want to give us another notable scene that you really like? Um the very, very first scene when he, not the very first scene, but it's when he's interviewing for the job. I just, re- I thought it was funny how he brought all his plaques <laughs> and trophies. I thought that was so funny. And then they ended up being fake. So he had to make them because, you know, I mean, in some type of way, not to be deep, but everyone wants to be someone like that's mm-hmm. like our goal. We want to be someone for him. Like a plaque made him kind of feel like someone and I just thought that was super relatable because oh, I just thought sure. it was really quirky but also relatable so I yeah, really like that scene it's such a funny scene one of my I favorite lines in the movie is when the guy at the, the manager at the firm goes <laughs> this is telemarketing okay we're not mapping the fucking human <laughs> genome here <laughs> it's just such oh, a great man. moment it's also how you start the movie I agree very very good scene yeah it yeah. took that first scene like I wasn't expecting the rest of the movie to play out how it was. Yes. I thought it was going to be like about this like sad, depressed guy working yeah. in like a sad, depressing place. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I had no idea what this was going into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jenna. Um, I, well, I thought um, it kind of covered like a lot of the scenes that um, I wrote down, but one that I loved was uh, Cash and uh, his friend Sal arguing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> outside of a protest (laughs) yeah when they're just like incessantly complimenting each other and you keep waiting for the first hit to happen for someone to break like you think it's like a tactic like like they're provoking each other and then they just kind of end it with going like you smell really great so do you you want to get a drink we should get a drink it's on me um i just thought that was like a really cute lighthearted moment it's just but there it's do men do this like i was trying to understand because langston is in the back in that scene watching them and he's like oh like he has to come in at a moment he's like this is enough so it's like clearly they're mad at each other but they're just what they're saying is so absurd maybe since they've like known each other for for however long like they kind of like understand why each other is doing whatever they're doing Mm. but also obviously they're like brothers like they're annoyed but maybe they're just too strong and they just don't want to show it but i thought that was so funny I agree. You know, though, that scene, it's actually kind of the scene right before that is one of my other notable moments. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, we're, the scene where Cash tells his friends who are protesting that he got a promotion and he says something like, you know, my independent, my success is independent of you guys, yeah. which is such a thing that we hear. That kind of mentality, that lack of community feeling has created a lot of problems that we're experiencing now. But at the same time, is he wrong? Like he's kind of always wanted to make his way to the top. Does he have to feel bad about it? Does he have to give it up for the cause? Yeah. yeah. For me, watching that, it kind of made me think of the movie Parasite. And I'm not going to, like, spoil the whole movie. I'm sure you guys saw it, right? I have not. I am you too scared. Not. I okay. have. It's not scary. I don't want to watch it alone. <laughs> the only thing that's like, ah, is the very ending. But it's yes. so good. I love metaphors. Mm. Um, anyways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
um, without spoiling anything, basically the family, like, they bamboozle their way to work at a rich family's house. Exactly, and yeah. they have a conversation with another family that's, like, lower than them, like, poverty-wise and all that stuff. And the lady's like, hey, can't you help me out? Like, we're on the same level. But because the family has been working with the rich family and they've been, like, finding sneaky ways to become upper level like they didn't even consider them on the same path so I just thought that Mm -hmm. was interesting how him and his friend they all like all him and his friends all started like on the same level working at the like corporate job or whatever but because he got the promotion he like instantly was like oh like I don't correlate myself with what you guys are doing exactly like he can't he all of a sudden because he's in a different position he I mean, you feel like he's, it's an interesting character because you sympathize with him even when you don't necessarily like what he's doing. So it's like Cash understands why they're doing what they're doing, but he just wants to do his own thing. Like he wants to think about himself, which again, like he's allowed to do, but it's the ultimate, one of the oldest tales of time, right? That someone can't win without others losing. So in this case, he might be winning, but his friends aren't, right? So and that really is what capitalism is built on. It's like the bedrock of capitalism. Well, it's, it's like the top 1%, right? He's yeah. one of many. So mm-hmm. is it like the, you know, it's the one person is going to succeed while like, it's a, it's a moral struggle. Yeah. One person yeah. succeeds while 20 like suffer. I don't mm-hmm. know. And it's unfortunate that sometimes you start to lose yourself during that path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ah. Nice. That was deep. <laughs> Give me another notable scene. If there's another one you want to think of. Hmm. Oh, the very beginning was just so funny. We can't like not mention it. When they're him and his girlfriend Detroit are like, you know, hooking up. <laughs> and then the garage door opens. I just thought that was so funny. Wait, I'm sorry, what's hooking up? Uh, you know no one can see me right now but i'm just like dancing Dancing. a little dance when his lips touch her lips and they kiss and magic happens Um, magic happens this is we're we're nice lebanese girls excuse me (laughs) can you say that on here i know i've only hand-fived a guy like Hand I've only hand five my dad. Yeah, <laughs> I only talk to your dad. He's the only male in my life. <laughs> Eve has never even spoken to her own father. No, he's the same house as her. Yeah. Well, okay. So you you haven't talked to your father in fifty years yet. You've been on this earth a lot less than fifty years. I know. It's my aging cream. I just got it from Sephora. <laughs> really good. Okay, wait. We don't. We don't do advertisements here. So. Yeah. But yeah, I just got it. That's corporate. That's capitalism. That was a metaphor, guys. Oh man. Um, I like that scene too, though. Detroit, by the way, I don't think we've said it. Played by Tessa Thompson. She's the girlfriend in the story. She's very cool. She has like all these earrings, which kind of set the stage for each scene. Oh, you didn't like her. I didn't like her. <laughs> I feel like you don't like Tessa Thompson. I no, I, I love Tessa it. Thompson. Yeah. I love her in Thor. I just didn't like, I just don't think she's a nice girlfriend. No, I will be no. honest. In the beginning, I didn't really vibe with her. Yeah. And then, then I kind of vibed with her towards the end because she still was supportive no matter what her boyfriend did. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, she shared her opinion, but she was always stuck by him. So that's why I kind of was like, oh, okay, I like her. But in the beginning, yeah. I was like, eh. In the beginning, when he's like kissing her, and it's like, it's that, that scene, you know, that Eam just mentioned in, the, uh-huh. in, the, in his room and stuff. Um, when they're hooking up and he's like trying to have a serious conversation with her and she just wants to like Make have out. sex with him yeah <laughs> and i was like where's your support and then like how he like a lot of 
and this is because of his own insecurities as a man and whatever but like how a lot of like his like chase for success was to like make himself more interesting to like to her he said it mm-hmm. like why you know why is she making him feel like that oh i mean <laughs> I listen she's not oh yes hmm yeah, I, I wouldn't say she's like my favorite female character that I've seen on screen. She's not, but there's something interesting about her in this movie. The more I've thought about it, the more I've thought about her since I watched this movie, the more I like her. Like, I understand, I, in a way, she's kind of the most grounded character who, like, doesn't really get caught up too much in the protesting or, like, in her boyfriend's lifestyle and what mm-hmm. have you. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't is he her. interesting? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you with him then? <laughs> oh god. All right, Jenna, next scene. Um yeah, I kind of actually just touched on it one of the last scenes that I I wrote down um Detroit and Cash arguing, but then that's when we hear him say mm-hmm. um you know, he tells her like I did all of this. This is, you know, when he's finally made it big and he's kind of just um just kind of lost in this corporate world, I guess. Yeah. Kind of like you know, lethargic to everything else around him. Oh, lethargic! Is that the right? Maybe it's the that, what I, I never say word. that word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're, we're growing here. That is so fancy. So, um, he says, you know, they're arguing, and he tells her, "I did all of this, you know, to become more interesting to you." And she goes, "You were really interesting to me." And I was like, "You weren't listening to him." No, he wasn't. <laughs> But so I thought that was like um mm. just a really it was a good scene. Yeah, I've never thought about whether or not our protagonist was in- interesting or not. I just feel like Lakeith Stanfield has like he's low energy, but for some reason he's interesting to watch on screen. Oh, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. think the actor himself, you really enjoy watching. I this man is so hot <laughs> in my he eye. Is, I, really he is cute. so he is so sexy. Um and he's interesting to watch but yeah the character himself is like Mm. kind of a dud like what's i think the movie in general tends to pick up towards the middle act Mm -hmm. or whatever the beginning is kind of like yeah yeah it's a slow start for sure um but yeah i agree with i agree with what you guys are saying in general i think so far but i'm um, glad you agree with me yeah (laughs) (laughs) do you have any other scenes Dean? i only have one left Um, uh I think overall, anytime they showed him telemarketing, like with customers, I really enjoyed not only the like acting itself, I thought it was super funny and entertaining to watch, Mm -hmm. but the editing was, I just thought was so thought out and so cool. Mm -hmm. Because as a telemarketer, they always say like, hey, sorry to bother you. Like they always interrupt someone's life. So they literally showed him interrupting people's lives. And I thought that was so funny. I know. I, I I like the editing a lot. One thing we haven't really talked about for the movies we've done is kind of just the style or the costumes of the movie itself. Mm-hmm. I really do like the style of this film. Like, yeah, the art in Detroit's gallery is all really cool. Like, each person has a very specific way they dress. Did you guys, Army Hammer? Did you notice he was wearing like it wasn't oh a kilt? God. It was yeah. just a very odd shirt. <laughs> he was wearing a scarf for one of the scenes. And yeah. it made me roll my eyes. <laughs> I literally wrote the scarf. It just yeah, screams. He looks <laughs> he looks exactly like what I would imagine the guy of a major tech company to look like. Mm-hmm. He really does, you know. I don't mean that as a compliment either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, he's interesting. But I like the style. This movie has a certain flair. You can tell that the director, the perspective on it is very unique, mm-hmm. that it would be a very different movie if someone else had done it. So I always like movies like that. 
Yeah. It's definitely different from everything we've watched, right? Well, he's, so. he's you know, he's an artist himself in, like, mm-hmm. a way that's different from, like, an actor, director kind of thing, right? He's a rapper, so mm-hmm. it's, there's definitely, like, a different flair to it. Yeah, like, for sure. A lot of, yeah, a lot of unique things mm-hmm. thrown in. Um, this kind of brings up, I, so I'll just go into my last scene, but I think the party scene in general with Steve is really interesting. The <laughs> so racial, weird. a lot of the oh. racial tension comes to head in this scene. Um, basically, it's Cash and his boss, who's played by Mr., his, whose boss's name in the movie is Mr. Bleep. We don't know what his name is. It literally says on IMDb, Mr. Underscore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Cash and his boss go to this party with Steve, who's, you know, the CEO of Worry Free. And they kind of finally have their meeting. We're finally getting to see the villain. And you realize that these guys are the only two black men at this party, that there just seems to be like a lot of wealth and partying. And it's kind of like the debauchery seems high at this party. A lot of sex. A lot of sex. But there's a really interesting moment where Steve is asking Cash, you know, oh, you're from Oakland. Have you ever shot anyone? Which is very stereotypical, right? And, um, oh, you're black. Can you rap for me? And they force him to rap. And so you see uh, Cash get up on the stairs and he starts rapping and then I read this quote online. I'm just going to read it. The, like this whole scene is about putting this, making this young black man put on a parade, right? He asks for, he's asked about stories of his gang life and he's asked to perform rap. Um, eventually cash figures out that what the crowd wants is for just for him to just start shouting the N word and they repeat it. So it's basically like, he's a spectacle. He's a spectacle for them. Like the, the, the author of this article basically says like, Cash's role in that scene is to give the audience a gross, exotic experience they desire. And so he, I mean, that scene is really intense. Like it's when he's really, just, it made me uncomfortable. For but sure. But I mean, it was supposed to make me uncomfortable. Exactly. I mean, in that scene, he's literally just repeating the N-word over and over. And then he gives it to the audience, which is a bunch of white people repeating the N-word over and over. And it's like, nobody is aware of what they're saying or what they're doing. Although Steve, the CEO, is looking around the room kind of like puzzled by what's going on, which is interesting. But it's like this movie, I feel like, tries to say that it's I know it's it's geared toward the black community. Right. But Mm -hmm. it's like if you're not white, you kind of just can't win. Like we said, in corporate America, you kind of have to code yourself. Sadas talked about coding herself. Jad has Mm -hmm. like on on the Looper episode to you know make people around you comfortable right like you were saying you're you were uncomfortable like we should be mm-hmm. um but then at the same time it's like if you're not white you know a black person someone who's not from here it's like the whole time you're like asked to like explain your culture and talk about your culture because like it's just so out there and like fascinating to them yeah when it's just like you just be like you know what i mean it's it's just be like yourself it's mm. like you know with like gay rights we go like being gay like you just it's nothing it's it's nothing like different it's just normal it's yeah yeah, like you yeah you're into who you're you know it's the same kind of no we're we're still people just can't live the race in this country with labels yeah with labels for Mm -hmm. sure yeah Yeah, with identifying people as a certain group sorry yeah (laughs) no i was just gonna add on to that like that was a really good point what you made because i think the whole idea of like the corporate like the corporation being called worry free is like the idea of like all those white people in that scene, like they didn't have to worry about anything. They don't have to worry about saying that word mm-hmm. at all. They're not even thinking about it. They're so blind to what they're doing. There's no and, repercussions. Yeah. And to like relation to what is going on in real life, like not to, I'm not getting political at all, but like the actual idea of the word make America great again, in my opinion, is just make America or certain Americans less worried about certain things. Mm-hmm. But being, by being less worried, you're being ignorant. You're being super yeah. ignorant. So, ev- 
certain people in this movie it's the white people it is the white people mm-hmm. um they choose to be ignorant and pretend they don't have issues because their issues other people's issues aren't affecting them necessarily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Yeah. And we have to remember this movie is directed by a black man. So we're getting a black man's perspective on what he thinks corporate America is like. So yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. It, this movie does a really good job of the, the comedy, the absurdity kind of laces these more intense moments. But when you think back on them after you've seen the movie, you're like, that was really, that was pretty crazy. Like that one scene was really intense. It's like you know? the big short. Yeah. The big the short's same the same thing, way. Right? The message is covered. It's the message is made more digestible to the viewer by like all the these comedic and like outside these other things right yeah i agree all right jenna what are your who are your mvps okay uh cash Cash. and i wrote that he's a dreamboat because the keith stanfeld is (laughs) (laughs) and then my lvp is detroit because Mm. she doesn't deserve him wow (laughs) (laughs) and then i also wrote down steve in a skirt (laughs) (laughs) <gasps> what do you think, Liam? Um, can I say a few? I don't know if yeah, yeah, go for it. As many as okay. you want. I really liked Squeeze just mm. because I love the actor himself. I love the yes. actor. So I really liked him. I liked his friend. I'm trying to remember his what was his friend's name again? Sal? Salvador. Sal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I loved him. <laughs> I was perfect. Um, and then I think I think it might have been Cash. I had, like, a list of the characters, but Cash maybe was top there. Mm. Yeah. I also personally like Detroit. I had a – she had a grill on me. Like, yeah. I agree. I think she grows on you. Yeah. For my losers, LVPs, Mm -hmm. definitely Steve, Mr. Army Hammer. He he really played his character. Um, All those, like, (laughs) managers hate them. But I think the one I hated the most, she just really got on my nerve, was Diana. (laughs) I hate her. I hate her. She's unbelievable. I should have written down everything she said. I was trying to as she was saying it. I just stopped after like one quote. Yeah, she's 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 just a mess. It's that thing where you try too hard to like. She she doesn't have the social ability to like relate to people in the room, but she wants to so badly. (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah. What about you? I think MVPs for me are Cash, as you guys have said, and also Langston. I really liked Danny Glover, and um, he provides, like, a certain kind of, he has a certain wisdom, and he's a nice addition to the movie. LVPs are Worry-Free and Diana Debauchery, for sure. Not Steve? Ah, uh, Steve is part of Worry-Free. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel like the one thing we haven't talked enough about are the horses. The horses. Um, yeah, yeah, the horses. <laughs> love them. They're kind of cute. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wonder why they chose the okay so basically oh, the idea in this movie is right like I said earlier you're going to combining man with another animal to make um you know I, to make an efficient uh work being right and yeah, so I wrote that down more efficient more profitable yeah it's, why it's um I read an article on analysis about this movie it's a uh, Boots Riley the director um she had an obsession his ex-girlfriend had an obsession with horses so it's kind of oh really oh, That's yeah. like, okay yeah. <laughs> oh. and you know they're big enough strong enough I guess to like yeah make it seem like oh like like you know in Harry Potter like or like just you know mythology like yeah. the centaur is like a it's like mm-hmm. a half horse half like strong. man and they're yeah. extremely strong and like yeah they do have a certain mythology yeah. question for you both um Steve makes it sound like there's an antidote 
after you're made a horse, you can be unmade and you can return back to being the sauce. Do you think the antidote is real? We never no, see it. I don't think so. I thought if he already lied oh. about the like so-called cocaine mm. or whatever, he's like, I would have told you. I just don't think. I don't trust him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he is untrustworthy now. I'm, now I'm doubting my belief. Also, I wonder. We, I was just gonna say, are we gonna address the what is it? The <laughs> the horses. Um, them exposing. Yeah. <laughs> I just could not look. <laughs> I was like, what am I first? When you first see the horses, you have no idea what you're looking at. So just in general, I was like, what? The animation what was happening? very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. It also looks, visit like, you know how CGI, we can't even tell we're looking at CGI nowadays. It's supposed to feel built into the screen. I feel like deliberately in this movie, it feels a little cartoonish. Animated. Yeah. Uh, but the horses are just fascinating. <laughs> The dick is there. Yep. Yeah. No way to hide it. Nope. No way. One of the selling points that Army Hammer Steve tried to make to cash about turning into a horse. <laughs> um, don't have much else to say. No. What, it's not appealing yeah. to me. No. <laughs> Something like that was no, not a into little scary. it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder too when they the very very end of the movie is that the horsemen basically go into Steve's mansion and then the movie cuts to black. We don't know what happens. Are they there to kill Steve? Do they want to get the quote unquote antidote? Why are they Why are they storming his castle? This is my whole thing about the antidote too. I feel like Steve is not stupid enough to like not have an antidote in, in the event that they do turn on him and try to turn him into a horse. Oh, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he had like something just in case yeah. that ever happened to mm-hmm. him. I, hope. And I feel like maybe that's what they would do to him. I don't think they would kill him. Mm. These aren't murderers. No. They're just <laughs> half horsemen. But if okay, let's think about it though. If you were turned into a horse, would I I mean you'd be mad. <laughs> you'd be mad. <laughs> you'd be mad. I'd probably I'd off feel. myself. I'd jump off a fucking bridge if I turned into I a horse. I would feel like this is a dream. I'm gonna wake up. This is not happening. But by the way, I'm yeah. I'm looking at Sada's computer. I'm sitting right next to her in the same room. She has 34 unread text messages. And I've been I'm looking sorry. at it the whole time we've been recording, and it's driving me crazy. Uh, maybe that's <laughs> why it takes that. a couple days for her to respond to my text. <laughs> I'm the worst. I, I always her get, on the planet. I, I feel so, so bad about it. I'm always so surprised that she even responds to me when I see the amount <laughs> of shit on her phone that's left unread. I, it's never intentional. I want my friends to know it is not intentional. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I have this He's issue. He's a doctor. Well, <laughs> please listen to my well, podcast, but I'm not going to respond to your text messages. Stop it! All right, moving on. Uh, yeah. I'll be lucky to get a birthday text. <laughs> you must stop. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. What was I going to say? I don't know. Horses. You'd be mad. Horses, we'd be pissed off. Uh, yeah, any other horse comments before we move on to a couple other questions? What do you think you would have thought, this just came in my head, if they made the horses more appealing? Like, if they Ooh. made the horses look prettier or, like, more happier? Like, like more attractive than humans? Yeah. Would yeah. it have, like, shifted our, like, <gasps> would we have been more accepting and, like, thinking yeah. that this is a good idea? I mean, the whole, I, I wonder know. how they advertise it. I mean, during the, like, scene, it showed, like, a little commercial on why they do it. And yeah. The horse looks so happy, but like mm. in real life, they were terrified. They were locked in cages, basically. But you know what's so interesting too is there's a moment where Steve talks about how eventually there will be the horseman society, and there's going to be enough of them, and they're going to collect and have their own laws and rules. And probably within that horse society will be a certain standard of beauty, right? Like any other yeah. society. So it's, in- I mean, 
Hopefully, if we get another movie like this, hopefully it'll be the story about the horses and how things have evolved. But that's interesting that Steve said that. So, like, what is he thinking? Like, the humans are going to get overthrown? Like, he didn't think the horses yeah. would just, like, let the humans live? Like, if I was a horse society, I would overthrow the shit out of us. I know. I mean, does he think, does Steve think he can control what he's making? Because reality is no. He would have never been able to really control it. Oh, 100%. He's hmm. just dumb. He's not dumb. He's just ignorant to his power. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's a weird. Uh, he's just very unlikable. <laughs> yeah, it started with the scarf. Yeah, that's what I it started say. with the scarf, and that's all we needed to know. He's a man who wears scarves that look scarf. like that. It, it was in the interview scene, right? Like, there's a moment. Yeah, yeah he's wearing a scarf. All right, another question for you guys: Are there too many white people in this movie? A resounding no. Reem? I think the first thing I thought of was there's just enough. But <laughs> I mean, I just don't know what to say. No, um, you're right. I just think for this movie's point, I think there was just enough because they were mm-hmm. trying to make a point. So I think I think it was fine. Obviously, we loved that. I agree. But I think, it was, I think for this movie, it was fine. I think so too. I wrote down 15 minutes in that there's great representation. It's white, black, Asian. There's there's a vast array of actors from different backgrounds. So mm-hmm. I'm all for it. But on another hand, the Bechdel test, Ooh. this movie fails. And yeah. we really only have one notable female, female character. character. So this is just another trend. Like in the movies we've had that have people of color, it's like weak on the female side. So it's like we can't have both. And I don't oh, understand. Yeah. Like, know. Detroit could have easily had, like, there could have been, like, another female artist. Or even you could have, like, um, what's his One name? One of the telemarketers. Squeeze, Squeeze could have been, like, a woman. Yeah. 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 Like, and she could have had a conversation with Tess easily about, mm. like, her art or some the gallery, something, or the protesting. Like, it could have very easily snuck in there. Yeah. I mean, I want the female characters to be notable and to be interesting. So I don't want them to just throw them in there for no reason. But I just don't like the there's a room for everything and it's like you can't don't be half-assed like if you're going to make a movie that's diverse and that's pushing the limits you know make it diverse in gender as well so oh yeah yeah and just thinking about it i mean i understand why the first scene it's him and his girlfriend like they're they're in a relationship and like it's Mm -hmm. supposed to show like how he's living in a garage like but i don't necessarily wish that was the first like introduce like introduction we had yeah because I'm like oh, that's interesting introduced her like in so many different ways I so, agree I think yeah that's, I think that's really interesting yeah for sure uh what can we say this movie failed on the female front I guess can't have them all can't have them all <laughs> on to critical reception on to critical reception so I'll give you guys some some rotten tomato feedback so First of all, uh, the critic score was 93% for this movie. Audience score was 70%. Hmm. Critics thought it was weird. Probably yeah, just thought it was weird. thought it was weird. Yeah. It's not for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> when the horses came onto the screen, they were like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, the critic consensus is it's fearlessly ambitious, scathingly funny, and thoroughly original. Sorry to bother you. Loudly heralds the arrival of a fresh filmmaking talent and writer-director Boots Riley. Some positive and negative reviews for you guys. So one positive review by uh, Hannah Glorgas of The Atlantic 
Sorry to Bother You is, a, is as much a character-driven story about the gentrification of Oakland and the Bay Area writ large as it is an absurdist anti-capitalist fable. That's wow. true. We didn't talk about how this is like um, an alternate reality for Oakland. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be a capitalist dystopia, and it's like an alternate version of Oakland. Uh, so that's Where true. The gentrification. Oak- Where is Oakland? Open. Northern uh, California, underneath oh. at the San Francisco, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of there's a lot of crime there, mm-hmm. right? It's, Poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. A negative review is by Scott Scott Marks. Uh, telemarketers as targets from which satire flows eternal were spigoted about the same time as mall cops, and that's not all this damn scattergun approach to comedy has in common with the terminally dopey Paul Blart. Oh. Um, so I don't know. I I'm not seeing many negative Paul reviews. Yeah, it, I, they, it just seems like the negative ones, they just found the movie kind of, they just couldn't get into it, like the absurdity of it, it seems. So. It's not unfair. It's not it's, unfair. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm actually surprised by the critic uh, Rotten Tomato score, actually. Do you think 93 is too high? I kind of, I do. When I saw the 93 myself, yeah, I was really surprised that they like gave it that high of a score. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Reem? In comparison to the movie Get Out, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like making comparisons, but the movie for Get Out, just the writing itself, are, I kind of think I liked it more. Mm-hmm. So, But I do definitely think it, definitely this movie deserved, like, a high score. Mm-hmm. I think I'm content with a 93. Yeah, I think just on... The viewers didn't like it as much, though. Yeah. I think just on the creative aspect alone, it deserves a high score. It's definitely not like many other movies out there, but I, I get, I kind of in the middle of both of you, I get that it's too high. It could be too high, but. I think I'm just know. surprised that critics appreciated it mm. as much as they seem to have done with that score. I didn't think they would have it in them. Yeah, I, I hear is you. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. The editing definitely deserved that score though. Because yeah. the editing was super cool. I even wrote down, there's a scene where it shows how much cash has grown with money. And, like, mm-hmm. he's driving his old car. And there's just this really cool transition to his new car. I wrote that down, and I thought that was so sick. I was like, yeah, that's cool. And his, like, <laughs> apartment changes, too. He's laying in bed yeah. with Detroit. Yeah, and we see his apartment changing around them, too. Seemed like yeah. such a cute apartment, yeah. too, right? Yeah. That view. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Gentrification. <laughs> I know, right? I'm complimenting the apartment. Oh, oh my god. Oh, all right. I'll move into trivia. So I've already given a couple throughout just the the course of the episode. So I'll read some more. There's a moment where Cash is walking through one of the the protests outside of his building, and he gets hit with the soda can. So that's meant to be a commentary on Kendall Jenner's Pepsi. Oh my god, that's funny. Oh and especially, right? Oh my but remember god. how the girl from throw, who threw the can at him, how she becomes like a viral star, and then eventually she's doing like a diet coke yeah. campaign. So the whole thing is supposed to play on. Oh my god, you know, a can of soda will save the world. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, other things that were interesting. So I thought a lot about the name Cassius Green. And so I looked up Cassius, the Latin meaning is hollow or empty. And his last name Green is supposed to reference what, what motivates him for much of the movie, right? The pursuit of wow. wealth. So just thought that was interesting. interesting. Hollow and wealth, basically. And that, um, the kind of the last one. So I wrote down, I want to ask you guys what you think Detroit's earrings mean in general. But um, so 
I found another interesting fact. At one point, Detroit wears a pair of earrings with the phrases, bury the rag deep, uh, deep in your face. So I guess those are lyrics from a song by Bob Dylan. Uh, the song is titled The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll. And so the song is actually a protest about a poor African-American woman who's been murdered by a wealthy oh white God. man. Wow. So these bury things are the very rag. thought out. Wow. The, yeah. She has the lyric written down, bury the rag deep in your face. Now, now is the time uh, for your tears. Wow. Yeah. So what do you guys think about Detroit's earrings? I wrote down uh, what Boot Riley, Boots Riley said. He said at one point that um, basically her earrings are supposed to be the commentary for the scene and they're just kind of supposed to set the stage for each scene. So I, I thought they were cool. I don't remember them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I definitely <laughs> noticed them. They were yeah. definitely eye-catching. And they definitely like drew attention to them every scene, mm-hmm. right? Like you were saying, it's like supposed to be commentary, like setting the stage to yeah. like what's to come, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I don't on- know, is she a little too self-righteous? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Another question, is that bad, though? Is it bad? Are you just is a misogynist, Joan? I'm not! Maybe you're just a sexist. <laughs> I mean, we all have internally wired sexism we have to break free of, right? All right, we'll work <laughs> on it after this episode. <laughs> I mean, no, it, no, and honestly, like, I think a part of me, the reason why I thought she was annoying was like, Oh, she's just very self-righteous. Like, she's super annoying. But I'm like, if a man was doing that, I wonder if I would have thought the same thing. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But I was going to add on with the earrings. Like, it's so subtle, but it reminds me of, like, social media, honestly. Because in some type of way, even though we're not specifically talking about movements that are happening, people are constantly posting. I always see people saying, oh, since we're not talking about this enough, here's some more like petitions to sign and mm-hmm. more updated things. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, you know, what's interesting about Detroit's character is like, she's an artist, right? So everything is kind of like a performance to her. And like you're saying about social media, like, do you guys feel like so much of what we see on social media is just performative now? I mean, that's been something that's been flying around, right? Like, yeah. is all the activism performative, what have you? I mean, we'll I, never like know, right? Right. Yeah. I think depending on the person, some things are more genuine, but I know a lot of people who put up a performance. Mm. Oh, really? <gasps> just in my opinion, just because... All the tea! No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything, but me and my friends have talked about this, and during, like, when Black Lives Matter was huge, like, it's mm-hmm. still huge, but when it was really popping on social media, when everyone posted those black screens, me and my friends made comments because we are like, we saw people posting a black screen and then within like months, I was like, I've never seen them post anything about it. So mm-hmm. I just personally feel like they were peer pressured just to post it, just to have that. Yeah. What's so, interesting are the, is like a lot of people who, I, I think the black screen thing, people were posting it and then they were immediately deleting it and trying to like figure out how they want to best advocate. But there are a lot of people like you're saying who just posted it and left it and never said anything else. But it's interesting to see who like has been going back to delete it, mm-hmm. you know? And that even crossed my mind. Well, no, but you like, removed yours I, right away. I removed and you... mine right away because I even texted Sada the next morning. I was like, I don't know why I posted this because like what good is like this going to do? This is yeah. the dumbest yeah. thing in the world. Like, that's we true. We were able to go to like, you know, we're able to donate. We're finan- like financially mm-hmm. we can. And, and we went to like a protest. Like that felt so much more like we were get, contributing so much more than like posting like the yeah. stupid like hashtag blackout Tuesday. I just, I, I didn't, I wanted to delete it the minute I posted. I'm just talking about people about who've it. never said anything about yeah. it, who don't yeah. post anything on social media, but did the black square and are now going back to delete it. I'm not talking about 
you, but you know, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> On our next episode, we'll ask, is Jenna a racist? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're not. I know she's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God, man. I got a lot of work on, don't I? <laughs> uh, well, guys, any final thoughts on this movie? I just really like how they ended the movie because throughout the whole movie, you're like hoping he won't turn into a horse. Like you kind of no. think, oh, it's just cocaine. Not even not saying <laughs> the coach, not saying the cocaine's great. You should not do that. But we yeah. all thought it was cocaine that he like sniffed or whatever and at the very end it shows that he turned into a horse just to emphasize that this issue that's occurring is not okay and it's mm-hmm. not turning okay it's not becoming okay so i just thought that was really interesting yeah, yeah that's think really of it smart. like that that it's not going away just because like one like thing has changed yeah <laughs> um i was just gonna say i thought it was interesting because no matter how hard he worked or his friends worked they were never, I mean, good enough to have a very stable life without mm-hmm. worrying about financial things. And it just showed that they aren't okay. Like, this yeah. issue is not okay. Even when they were protesting, like, one of the things they were saying to the megaphone is, we just want to be able to pay our rent. Like, they're not asking for something absurd. They just want to be able to pay for their it's shelter. the most basic things that yeah. you can have in life. Mm-hmm. But that's, okay, so I think to end... When you guys watch this, where does it leave you feeling about capitalism? <laughs> I mean, I work for a corporation. It's I'm lucky in the sense I'm because I do. I'm able to support myself completely financially, right? I'm I'm completely independent. I'm learning a lot where I am. And they are putting forward like a great effort in terms of diversity and I'm on, you know, I'm I'm in a committee for that as well at work. Mm-hmm. Do I feel like I'm having a direct impact, like a major impact, like I was at a smaller company? Mm-hmm. No, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, it's just kind of going to end up, I just have to see where the company's going to end up, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Does this, is this relevant? Oh, I, I just cut this whole thing out. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this movie, working from working at Olive Garden, um, and now working at Joanne Fabrics, even though, I mean, those aren't necessarily the jobs I hope to continue working in the future, but right now it makes me question how genuine people are. Mm. Because, I mean, I always knew people, like, a job is a job, and you, if you make a mistake, they're really going to mention that to you, but, like, they always emphasize, we're a family. But it just makes me think how genuine and, like, what's their intention kind of how easily replaceable yeah 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 i don't know i mean the bummer about this movie is like i said kind of the idea of someone winning and someone losing it doesn't it's part of me is like what is the alternative like we live in the states there are 330 million people like there's no way to create a society for this many people that's going to be thriving to be perfectly balanced and thriving for each person but at the same time how messed up is that mentality you know what i mean we should want to be able to accomplish that especially in 2020 in today's age with all the tech we have it's kind of the idea that i don't no matter what form of society we have there are always going to be people that are losing and i just don't know how we fix that problem i think we have to start having a conversation with people who choose people who are willing to learn from their mistakes 
no matter what the topic is and have a conversation with people who choose not to even listen. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing. I agree. I agree. Well, thanks for doing this, Steam. Um, you're the perfect person to do this. Yeah, movie. I'm so glad we did this episode with yeah. you. Yeah, and Dean will definitely be back for future episodes. Yeah. She is a self-proclaimed Titanic fanatic. <gasps> I love Titanic. <laughs> She'll for sure be on our eventual Titanic episode. We're so Thank proud you. of you too. Thank you. I'm proud you of you. Guys. Making like me. Well, no, well, this girl's making like a direct splash, like a real like. Yeah. She's having an impact on the shit she's doing. Your energy is very infectious, I feel like. It is. Around That's you. perfect to describe yeah. her. Wow. <laughs> no, it is. She does have an infectious energy. Yeah. And hopefully when your song drops, can we play it on our podcast? Yes. <laughs> Do we have the legal rights? Yeah. Once we'll I drop have the papers. Well, he won't sue us, right? Okay. Um, it depends how much money I'll get. Like you guys yeah, are exactly. kind of wealthy. Your family. <laughs> I see the house you guys live in. Oh, stop. <laughs> they're green. Oh, no. Yeah, they're humble. They're humble. <laughs> oh man, we could be humbler. On that note, do you guys have any good things that happened to you this week to end the episode on? I had a nice week. <laughs> very vague i'm gonna keep mine close to the chest oh okay all right but she had a good week <laughs> had a good week <laughs> what about you um Dean? i will be honest i've had uh quite a stressful week just because school and work and life mm. but uh hmm i've been re-watching the kardashians keeping <gasps> up with the kardashians on oh who oh my god and i've never watched the show so it's so oh. weird watching it because i never had cable Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm humble. <laughs> hey, hey, neither did we. But that's because we watched too much TV. <laughs> um, basically, I'm watching it. It's so weird to start from the beginning and just see how everyone looks like. And just mm-hmm. how they act like. Right now, I just finished the episode where Kim married Chris Humphrey. Okay. Uh, and I'm just like, Kim, don't do it. I'm like, Kim. Those are good episodes, though. Yeah. Wow. It makes me think about family. I mean, listen. How they end every episode. It really puts me in perspective that family is everything. Which I mean, they're wrong, so. And we're so close to each other. But now they, like, publicly dislike each other, I feel. They're always, like. They ended the show now. Yeah, they're ending the show. You know, talk about a meta conversation. I mean, that family has, like, single-handedly revolutionized the way we use social media and how people can profit from it, which contributes to the structure of our society and how they're basically the new ways to make wealth. Crazy. I'm not a fan. Social Dilemma. No, no, no. No, I did not. Oh, the Social Dilemma. We should talk about that at some point. But um, I don't know. I've never been a fan. Never followed them. I'll watch their show if it's on, but I, I go on Kylie on... Jenner's Instagram occasionally yeah. just to look at Stormy because Stormy's adorable. Oh. <laughs> I had this convo with my dad. I was watching it in the kitchen and he's like, What are you watching? I'm like, the Kardashians. And he's like, I don't like them. And I'm like, Why? <laughs> like, I just don't like them. I'm like, but you don't know anything about them. And he's like, I'm like, do you not like them as a person or you just don't personally agree with like what they do and he's like that i'm like okay then you can't say you don't like them you don't know them i'm like it's not my life to judge they're entertaining yeah. and clearly they're very successful with what they do so i have no- nothing to judge yeah i mean god i don't want to do something I, bad i'll judge it mm-hmm. i actually think what kim does all the criminal form is really cool yeah there's just something that like 
as a consumer, knowing how much money they make from like a single Instagram post or like, like how much did they work for it? Yeah. And just like the way that it's like, like hundreds of thousands of people are kind of like willing to buy their products and willing to wait to see what they post next, which is just as much a reflection on us as consumers. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. She buys skins. I only bought one set of skins, but I have to say they're unbelievable. They're like some of the nicest hair sweats I've ever had. Now I made a maternity. I don't regret it. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like social media influencing would not be what it is today without the Kardashians. Like they've certainly changed an entire generation going forward, an entirely new way to make money. Like they've created a profession, which is very impressive, but also just, I find deeply troubling. (laughs) They kind of just capital, uh, like a catapulted, is that right? Yeah. You know. Wait, are you gonna finish what that YouTube, <laughs> What YouTubers started, like YouTube bloggers, yeah. like started doing. They yeah. took it to a whole. Because I mean, lately I've been finding myself like purchasing more, like <gasps> of what I'm seeing from YouTube videos, makeup wise and stuff like that, and skims. Yeah. Like, what did you buy, Dee? I got one of those face cleansers. It was like sixty oh. percent off with if you use the code. So <laughs> your skin looks amazing. <laughs> it has been glowing lately. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Wow. Tata, what about you? How's yeah, your, oh, what, how's your week? God, what, yeah, week? what about the mice? How are the mice? <laughs> the mice at work are fine. I have not oh checked in God. on them in a little bit, to be honest Shit. with you. <laughs> I hope they're okay. Talk about a society that's forming. I'm sure one day they're going to wake up and revolt. <laughs> no. Uh, also, I work in a research lab. This is not like, you know. A pet project. Yeah, it's not a pet project. <laughs> what happened? I God, I have to come prepared. I just don't. I don't oh. find a new song. What's I, one, I don't know. Uh, what? What's one good thing that happened today? It could be What's anything. one good thing that happened I today? I over to see her. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll use that. Although That's last night I was calling her, telling her not to come. Yeah, we got in a fight last night. And then she was shocked when I like apologized and said that she's right. Yeah. Couldn't wow. believe it, Ian. We're turning we, a new leaf. That is the highlight of the week. We solved one of our conflicts. His so family easily. is everything. Listen, Family is know, everything. Yeah. Change is happening in my life. I got to be a grown up. <laughs> I can't just argue. I can't be stubborn. <laughs> oh give my take. God. Okay. I only ever argue with you and Layla. I would say I mean, when we argue, sisters. we're yeah. sisters. When we argue, it usually doesn't last more than a day, but I can't, I can't hold out and wait for an apology because it'll never happen. So yeah. I always have to let it go. <laughs> I can't wait until we have a big fight. I know. The next time we guys talk is like the wedding. So yeah. I'll be like, oh, you came. And you're like, yeah. I I'm like, oh, I, it was plus one. So what um, do you think our fight will be about? Me and you? Yeah. What's going to tear what apart the music? Sada's going to get the rights to her music <laughs> and take it away from her. Um, that or the mice. Maybe like politically, like when we <gasps> vote for the president, you'll be like, oh, okay. oh. oh no, we agree on everything in political. I am not very left. I'd like to keep oh, my wait. political opinions I I know. ambiguous. I think I know. Basically, like little do you guys know, like Sada has some talents. She can like sing. I've heard her sing, she's super shy. Um, but she can sing. <laughs> Yes, you can. Okay. And so <laughs> when we go on tour together, I think we'll have oh, some creative cool. differences. Okay. So let's start with that. I think that's. Oh gonna- my God. That's they fair. say don't do business with family, right? Family. Look at I mean, the Kardashians. Look at the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. All right, guys. Well, well yeah. yeah. 
I think before we officially sign off, just want to tease next week. So next mm-hmm. week we are ending our, our next episode. I mean, um, we'll be releasing our final episode for this block and we are doing none other than the social network, Woo! which I wow so excited about because you talk about a movie. Number one, like a lot of people who are the pretentious cinephiles say that this is like the movie of our decade, the best movie of the last decade, but also this is going to be the most interesting movie in terms of how it's aged, knowing what Facebook has become now and who Zuckerberg has become now. There's going to be like, I'm really excited to. Do you talk think about I this should one. watch the social dilemma before going in? I or think should so. Because you've seen it and I haven't. Yeah. Should I go in a little bit blind. Maybe just to anyone listening, if you haven't seen Netflix's new documentary, The Social Dilemma, which honestly I have complaints about, but I think everyone should watch it and then we can talk about that as well. Because it basically comments on how social media is used as a tool today. Uh, which a lot of it started because of Facebook. So my one friend told me to watch it as well. And she said, there's an, she told me there's an interesting quote, a statistic from it, basically mm-hmm. that the tech industry is the only other industry aside from yes. drugs that refers to their consumers as users. Wow. Pretty crazy to think about, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That quote was really jarring. So um, should I, is it, do you think? Yeah, watch it. Watch it. Right, Let's watch, watch it. it. Okay. It'll be, it'll be fun, but yeah, we'll also have a couple special guests on that episode as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. They're going to be surprising. coming around for a second time. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you. Keep on conquering the world. Thank you. Bye my song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll promote it for you. Don't worry. We will. Yeah. I love you guys. You know, we have so many followers. <laughs> okay. Bye. I was going to say that's what Facebook said. And look at them now. Oh, oh. Apple. they're all the same. They're all the same. Mm. All right. All Thanks right. for listening. Thank have a good you. Week, guys. Bye. Bye everyone.